Hello and welcome everyone to Eyes on the Mize. Today is July 6th, episode 19. There's an eldritch moon rising on the right. I'll let you guys go look up that reference if you're bold enough. I'm joined all the way in Seattle by Ian. Ian, how are you doing? It's old school. <laughs> no, it's uh, I'm doing pretty good. Good, good. Hell of an old school reference. I I, com- I correctly guessed it though. You did, and uh, to, for the record, I did not remember which band this was from. So there's an extra hint for you guys. Uh, anyways, we're gonna be talking about Eldritch Moon spoilers again. We've seen the two Planeswalkers in Eldritch Moon, so we're gonna wrap up the show talking about uh, where Ian and I think they're gonna see play, uh, how powerful we think they are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But first, let's turn our eyes to the community real quick because we got three big pieces of info that we want to talk about. The first is that, uh, for those of you who don't know, the World Championships are going to be taking place at PAX West in September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and one of the... Well, not, places... not playing. Not playing, yeah, yeah. mind you. I'll be at PAX you'll West. Be at, you'll be at PAX West. Uh, now, uh, one of the positions, or one of the uh, qualifications, is the person who's gotten the most points, pro points, at a GP over the course of the year. Now, due to Fabrizio Ontario's uh, disqualification, because he was cheating... Uh, the race is now really, really super close. There is currently one GP left in this year that w- because the next Pro Tour, Elders Moon, ends the season. And the two players who are in immediate contention are Brian Brondwin and Saito, whose last name I cannot remember. Um, but they are currently separated by one Pro Point. So, Brian Brondwin needs to do as well or better than Saito at... Tom- P- Tomohara, it's Tomohara Saito. Tomohara Saito, Saito. there we go. Saito's, Saito's is given is surname, yeah. So Tomohara Saito. Um, Brian Brondwin needs to do as well or better than Saito. Yeah. And Saito needs to do better than BBD. Yeah, he can't He can't afford to do... Basically, he needs to get one more pro point yeah. than BBD. Like, if Saito can do that, then Saito wins GP player player of the year for example I, if, I, if if bbd top eight saito also needs to top eight and then win one more round now what pulled bbd ahead is at the most recent grand prix which was it was a oh, uh, gp sao paulo no sao, sao, paulo. Yeah, yeah, sao, no, paulo. sao paulo yeah in brazil the the team limited uh bbd's team made the top four remember it's a team gp so they don't have a top eight they have a top four saito's team came in fifth place now the crazy BBD's, thing here, BBD's team, BBD's team had a strategic con- they conceded strategically in round fourteen because that would have put them ahead and made sure that Saito would have had to win out potentially. Yeah, it is the margins are this thin, people. This is probably one of the most interesting races we've got going into uh, GP Sydney, which is going to be Eldritch Moon Limited. It's going to be the first time that the pros are going to get their hands on it in a competitive REL setting immediately before the Pro Tour. Which is the next week. Which is the next weekend. Now, speaking of professional play, actually, I'm totally kidding. If you want to, if you want to see Eldritch Moon play for the first time in paper, July 9th, that's this Saturday at noon Pacific time, Loading Ready Run is once again hosting a pre-pre-release. This time, it is the Eldritch Moon pre-pre-release uh, of the Lure Crew. Three of them are playing. That's going to be Graham, Kathleen, and Cameron. And then they have five guests this time. They have returning guests Jimmy Wong and Marshall Sutcliffe, and then three new guests. And Ian, who are they? Uh, some pretty awesome people. First off, Watsy's community manager, Allison Lurs, is going to be there. One of the many great community managers, and Allison is just – she is a, amazing. An absolute, an absolute fan of the dank meme. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the dankest memes. Uh, Tularean Community College's professor is going to be there and Gabby Sparks. 
So we've got a little bit of competitive people, a little bit of casual people, but it's going to be overall a lot of fun. I'm going to guess that Marshall's going to be deck building on camera again. Although I would, God, that was so good. I would love to see Gabby do it. I think those would be my two picks personally, but we'll uh, see. I'd say Marshall or Jimmy. I'd be curious to see how Jimmy builds his. Well, I think that the people are going to vote for the spikier players. Personally. Obviously. Well, I all I know is that Allison's matches are going to be hilarious. Oh yes, <laughs> they're going to be fantastic. Uh, so that's coming up this weekend. Make sure that you are ready for it. And then we've got one more kind of big elephant in the room, uh, and that is uh, this past week uh, there was a individual who was bored and decided that they were going to buy all of a certain reserve list card, Lion's Eye Diamond. Uh, you don't even know what it does. Just know that the price skyrocketed over the course of a day when he bought it out. Yeah. Um, it's it's the 20-year-old elephant in the room, like I put in the show notes, because it came out March 96. Uh, so reserve list, for those who don't know, it's basically cards at Magic, or that Watsy said back in the day, we're not going to reprint these, because what happened, uh, you can look this up, but Chronicles came out, reprinted a lot of cards, tanked a lot of value, People were pissed. People stopped playing, so they said, "All right, look, we're just going to stop. Like we're going to set these cards aside, these rares, and we're never going to reprint them again." And it's mostly rares from basically Urza's Destiny back. So we're like, "We're not going to reprint these." Um, they've made it. They've made additions to it since then, but yep. like that that included the Urza's block when they added on there. But originally, yeah. it was just like, so these are cards that are a never going to get reprinted. They have some slight exemptions to it where they have reprinted some promos. Uh, they recently closed that loophole because of right. the vault. Right. So, But like that loophole was available at one point, but it's obviously been closed, and now it's been the major point of contention. So what happened was Lion's Eye Diamond got bought out, and then a run started happening. Uh, Sarah Sanctum, which is the legendary land from Urza's Saga, which is along with like – it's like, like the – It's in the, the same the cycle as Gaia's Cradle and Telerian Academy. Sarah with, Sanctum is a legendary land that taps for white for each enchantment you control. And obviously, and guys, uh, guys, cradle, it's cradle also is the victim of a potential buyout as well right now. Um, well, it's so already you, expensive, so well, no, it it got bought out and spiked even higher. Oh, it did. Um, yeah, it did. Hmm. Um, so basically, Sarah Sanctum sees play in Enchantress decks. Sid, um, Gaia's cradle play sees play in Elf decks uh, and uh, Commander. It's very popular there. Oh, yeah. Um, that actually did have a uh, promo. Yeah, it has a judge promo for printing. Yes. Uh, other well, buyouts are City of Traders, which is um, a you tap it, add two colorless to your mana pool. Uh, you have to sacrifice land whenever you play your next land. So you can essentially no, you, you, have, you have to sack the city when you play your next land. Right, yeah, to sack the city when you play the next land. Yeah. Um, they've also had a run on Ancient Tomb, which is an uncommon, and it's had reprintings and can be reprinted again. But it jumped from twenty to forty two dollars this week. Um, yeah, I there are people who are way better qualified to talk about the financials of the game. Coming from me, um, I know I'm actually happy that I'm basically finished building Legacy Infect, and that's going to be my Legacy deck along with Legacy Burn that I have. I'm not even going to bother looking at any other Legacy decks at this point. I was hoping to maybe potentially build Legacy Storm, but that's not going to happen now. I don't feel like paying $200 for a Lion's Eye Diamond. Um, I know a lot of people got priced out of it. People are building decks. Um, there's actually an interview. Uh, By Corbin Hostler with the yes. individual who bought out the Lion's Eye Diamonds. Uh, we can put a link to it in the show notes for those of you who are interested in it. It's an uh, interesting. It's an interesting thing. Um, 
Homer's also been someone who has participated in the financial side of things, like you know, looking. It's it's got MTG Finance has really gone twisted from what people originally had it as, like, hey, here's a way to be budget in playing your cards. You don't have to worry about paying too much for it. And now it's kind of twisted. Some people have warped it. Some people are still trying to hold the original thing. Corbin was great in his the ending things of his statement. He basically said he's in it for the community still. He's not trying to gouge people, and I can appreciate people like that. The other guy. I'll let you read the story and I'll let you judge the person for how you do it. Um, frankly, I just think it's kind of crappy that one person can be like, yep, I'm going to buy out the market. It's policies that are old, might need to be changed. The problem is people don't really need to have a good suggestion on how to make it work properly. So until then, all we can hope for is functional semi-reprints. Yeah, I mean the big thing with the reserve list is that wizards can't talk about it. And no, they can't talk about why they can't talk about it. Um, I don't know how many times I've seen that asked ask to Mark Rosedaughter on his blog. Or it's like, can you tell us why you can't talk about the reserve list? No. So don't. It's, it's, and the, the thing is, it's legal. It's, it's all purely legal reasons. They can't talk about it. But Essentially. They can't, they can't say that it's legal reasons, but it's basically, <laughs> basically it amounts to legal repercussions of what would happen if they broke yeah, this. Yeah, if, if you want to jump down that, that legal loophole or that legal kind of trail, you go ahead. But let's go ahead and bring up the mood and let's go ahead and talk about Elder Moon spoilers, which is coming, which whose pre-release is next weekend. Release is weekend Christmas is still weekend coming. After that. Yes, Christmas is not canceled. Still excellent. So it's still on. Let's go ahead and talk about a few of these spoilers that Ian and I have earmarked. And the first one I want to talk about is one that people have been asking for a lot. Now, uh, Ian, what do you think is the number one tribal commander that people have been asking for? Well, besides werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> well, werewolves was one, but that was only because we were going back to Innistrad and they were like, we, we well, need a werewolf I, lord. I mean, come on. We knew we were going to get when we came back, but obviously it's, we already have snakes, and what goes along with snakes but spiders? Yep. We have Ishkana, Graf Widow, who is a legendary spider. They are a 3-5 for a 4 and a green. They're a mythic. They have reach. Uh, like all spiders do. Like all spiders do. Well, all good spiders do. <laughs> all good spiders I need to go back and look up to see if there's a spider without reach. Anyways, uh, Ishkana also has a delirium ability that says when Ishkana enters the battlefield, if you're delirious, so you have four more card types, In the then graveyard. you put three, one, two green spiders with reach into play. And then it has an additional ability of six and a black. Target opponent loses one life for each spider you control. Now, there are some people who are complaining about that last ability, uh, mainly for commander because commander you start at 40 life, and this can burn people out very slowly. Uh, but the big thing to know about Ishkana is that spider spawning costs four and a green to cast, and its and flashback is six and a black. So in order to play spider spawning, which is, like, amazing and can let you dome people out with this, you need the green-black commander, yeah. which she has the green. Like, Maro specifically said, we made her green-black so that she could ha that you could have a green-black spider deck. Yeah. Now, there are a few red spiders that people were sad that they couldn't put into their Ishkana deck, but I think that they'll get over themselves in time. I'm pretty sure the quality of the red spiders wouldn't amount to... I think it's like Dragon this. Lair Spider is like the big one that they want. That at the beginning of each upkeep, you get like a 1-1 one, one insect. Um, in any it's case... It's not a spider, though. It's not a spider. It's true. I meant, I meant the, the, the token. Yes. Um, no. But Ishkana is really sweet. Very playable and limited. I can definitely see first picking this and being fairly happy with myself. I don't see now, this... I, I, I didn't do the numbers on this, but I definitely want to look up how many spiders are actually in... <laughs> I don't think there's that many. I think there's like there's like two. 
Maybe and we'll shadows. We can check it later. Anyways, either way, if you pick it, it's it's a three five with reach for five. That can with... some that can sometimes be six power <laughs> and like twelve toughness or eleven toughness for five mana. That's well, still really good. And remember, even if you only have like one spider, you have a late game mana sink. <laughs> yeah, it can just be ping your opponent every turn, and the pingers are powerful. Uh, next, let's talk about a card that was spoiled by Sam Stoddard on the mothership, which is collective brutality. Now, when we talked about Escalate last week, we mentioned how all the Escalate costs we had seen were tied to mana costs, and they were all two mana. Collective Brutality is a rare sorcery with Escalate. It's one of the black to cast, but its Escalate cost is discard a card. Now, whenever you have free additional costs, when I'm counting free as in not costing mana, that's very powerful. So in this case, for Collective Brutality, you can do one or more of the following. You can have target opponent reveal his or her hand. You may choose an instant or sorcery card from it, and they discard that card. You can give a creature minus two, minus two, and then you can also have an opponent lose two life, and you gain two life. Now, two mana for any one of those modes is not great, but two mana and dis- and pitching a card for two of those modes seems pretty good to me. Now, if you can perhaps, say, have a vampire in your hand that has, you know, madness, or perhaps another madness card, how does one red and a and a generic for two of those modes and deals three damage to target creature or player sound that's what uh, i'm talking good. i'm talking about fiery temper of course yes fiery temper so, being one of the big payloads <laughs> i mean can you imagine that just being like yeah i get to you could be like uh like basically duress yeah hit you for five i gain two life now it is a mini duress it can't hit walkers can't hit enchantments uh but the big things you're going to want to hit with this card are stuff like you, some of your removal spells, we're talking like a Runus Path, uh, hitting a Dispel is really sweet. Uh, the other big things that you're going to want to hit include um, Collective Company. That's the big one. Making sure you, I, that you can get a Cocoa out of somebody's hand. I do absolutely appreciate the fact that they are giving... They're definitely saying like, okay, I, I can see they definitely want a uh, red-black Vampire's deck. Yes. Duh, and or hello. But... I love that this is finally giving some payoff cards that were sorely needed because everyone's like, oh my god, we're getting all these awesome vampires and there was nothing. like It's like, okay, this is straight underpowered compared to everything else we can do because we only have a limited number of these madness cards or madness enablers. And now we're getting a hell of a lot more. We'll talk about another one in a minute, but I want to, f- to finish up a little bit on, on Collective Brutality. I've heard speculation that this might see play in stuff like Legacy. Uh, I'm... Dredge, I guess? <laughs> Dredge is one place that you could definitely see it. I mean, it gets rid of a certain, some troublesome cards. I mean, uh, pay, but it, pay, black, pay black and a colorless, discard four cards. Essentially, you, uh, you, you, you can only discard saying, two. I'm saying you dump four. Oh, right, yeah, you discard three then. I'm, I'm, I'm counting Collective Brutality and you're getting rid of it. Ah, uh, yeah, no, no. And you're paying two mana to get rid of three cards out of your hand. Two cards. Because you pay for each additional. So if you want to do all three, it's one of the black pitch two cards. I... Yeah, I, I was saying it's a third card out of your hand. Whatever. If you're Anyways, trying to get Hellbent. That's also it, true. It helps. That's it does. Yeah, there we go. All right, John. we're on the page now. We're on the same page. Collective Brutality, I think, is really sweet. I think it's going to see standard play. It just seems too good not to see play, especially with, you know, quote-unquote free enablers. Uh, there's some Delirium just, cards we're going to get to in a minute that I think Collective Brutality be, works really be prepared well with. See, be prepared to see this in an F&M. Oh, Black yeah. Vampire's deck. Speaking of vampires, let's talk about uh, Stromkirk Condemned. Ian, what does he say? Oh, hold on. <laughs> I didn't pull this one up yet. All right, I got it. Well, it's Black Black for a 2-2 Vampire Horror at Rare, which, 
you know, BB for a 2-2 is kind of rough when you're talking about a two-color aggro deck like Vampires is going to be with it being red and black. But it has the ability to discard a card, colon, so free discard effect, no mana attached to it at all. And then Vampires you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn, but you can activate this ability only once per turn. So, Ian, what are your feelings on the Condemned? It's another discard outlet for the Vampire deck, which is obviously going to be Red Black Madness Vampires. The art's pretty cool. Art's really good. Uh, Dude's got three arms, so that's a thing. Um, Strong Card Condemned... uh, Go ahead. No, it's, it's one of those... In a vampire deck, it definitely feels like it can be... Like, we had something like this last time with Air Falcon Wrath, where it was like, okay, cool, we get, you know, discard a card, and, you know, you flip it, and it's awesome. Basically becomes, like, uh, Insectile Aberration. But this one's going to give your whole entire board a boost. Yeah. Now, this is maybe not a vampire you want to stick on turn two. This is a vampire you might want to stick later, um, especially, again, because pitching a card... Sometimes it's going to be good for you because you're likely running, you know, Fiery Temper or you're running some of the Madness Vampires. It's, uh, a, like rare, it's, a, rare double, it's a rare double color bear with upside that yes. potentially plays into a tribal theme. Like if, if you have a vampire, like, you know, commander deck, get the heck right in this thing. Yeah, if you're playing vampires, you're going to want to play this guy. Uh, moving on to other black cards that are good. Let's talk about uh, something that they don't do a lot anymore, which is random discard. You mean um, him to, to Emrakul? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the last <laughs> card in standard that I remember that had random discard on it was Skullrend, which was an uncommon from Return to Ravnica, which is like five mana. You shock each opponent, and each opponent discards two cards at random. They don't do this very often. Uh, Whispers of Emrakul is one of the black for an uncommon sorcery, where target opponent discards a card at random. So now, you don't get to choose, you just get it at random. Now that's a fun- that's a functional reprint ability of a card called Specter's Wall, which yep. did the same thing. Now, Whispers of Emrakul also has Delirium, which says if there are four more card types, some, among, four more card types among cards in your graveyard, instead they discard two cards at random. Which is um, him to Turok. <laughs> which is him to Turok, which is black black sorcery, target opponent discards two cards at random. Uh, or target player. Funny thing about this is uh, one of the nicknames is the Delirium. <laughs> like it. It's really good. Uh, I, this, I like him to Emrakul. Him to Emrakul is also really good. Now, here's the thing with this card. This card is subtly powerful, but the big power with him is being able to go turn two, be able to go turn one swamp, turn two swamp, him you, and then you just wreck their hand. It's going to be really hard in standard to get uh, Delirium active as quickly as you want for this Whispers is, to be great. This is going to, this is going to, I bet this will be more powerful in Limited. In Limited, this is going to be absurd. Also, the foil is going to look really cool. Foils are going to look great. Like, this entire set's going to have great foils with the Eldrazi in it. So I'm not I'm not too scared about that. Uh, card's fine, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, next, let's talk about a card that <laughs> has card. a lot of people very excited this, slash scared. This um, freaking card, which is Eldritch Evolution. Ian, what does Eldritch Evolution do? Um, Eldritch Evolution is a sorcery for one green green. It reads as an additional cost to cast Eldritch Evolution, sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less, where X is 2 plus the sacrifice creature converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Exile Eldritch Evolution. Okay. Now, what is the first card that people were comparing this to? Uh, this is absolutely sounding like a kit bash of Natural Order slash Birthing Pod. Yes, essentially. 
Um, for example, when I was talking about this in a um, in a Discord server about magic, uh, somebody was like, oh crap, I just noticed you didn't have to sack a green creature or grab a green creature. Um, natural order is two green green, sack a green creature, put a green creature into play. Eldritch Evolution restricts the card you can grab, which is good and all, but here's a few count. Here's a few combos that you can pull off, and Ian, you tell me if these are good or not. Oh yeah, you got the combo ready to go. Oh, I, I got I got several combos. First off, you're gonna have you're gonna have two Deceiver Exarchs in play. Okay. Then, you, then you're gonna cast Eldritch Evolution, grabbing your Kiki Jiki. Yeah. That seems pretty good, off. right? And then you go yes. off. Uh, here's another one. Uh, let's say that you're playing uh, like a Abzan or a or a Soul Tide deck. Uh, you go turn two Gromag Angler or turn two Tassiger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does a turn three Grizzlebrand sound? Sweet. You can also do another card too. How does a turn three uh, Iona sound? PDs. How does a turn three Elishnorn sound? How does a turn two Grizzlebrand sound? Oh yeah, that's right. You could probably you could. Uh, wait, how does how does the turn two Grizz work? Okay, so here's how you do this, kids. So All you right. go and this this. Hold on, led, hold on. I, want, I want to figure it out. You go land dork. Yep. Okay. Then you go third land, and then you got to figure out how to put. Wait a minute. Okay. How, all right, so here's here's how here's what happened and led led to a card from Cold Snap to go from this is a card from Cold Snap that also had a dang oh that's right pre-release card. So the card is called Allosaurus Rider. I now, forgot this about this guy. Eight, this card went from eighty cents, spiked to like fourteen dollars, and it's now settled around eight fifty. Now this card is a rare. It's five green green. It has a weird power toughness of one plus star, one plus star. Where star means, is the number of so, lands you control, right? Uh, yes. It's power and toughness are equal to one plus number of lands you control. So that doesn't really matter. We don't care about that. However, it has a first clause on it that says you may remove two green cards in your hand from the game, aka exile them, rather than pay its mana cost. So you go turn one, dork, turn two, Allosaurus Rider, exile two green cards from your hand, play the land, cast Eldritch Evolution, Sack the Allosaurus Rider, turn two Grizzlebrand. Although that is a perfect seven card hand. Well, yeah, but think about it. Either this. way, that's it's it's like it's, it's a turn two Grizzlebrand, turn two Ionas. People are looking to basically uh shore up and make the uh Gorio's Vengeance deck even cheekier. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Um, I, know, I don't know, you know I don't know I don't know if the if the Gorio's Vengeance deck has room for green, but we'll see. <laughs> I know Jeff Hoogland is actually I saw him tweeting today mentioning he was actually going to be streaming him paying paper, so I'm assuming he's going to be doing uh proxied up like Eldritch Evolution cards and stuff like that. But he's gonna be proxying up like and testing uh modern evolution modern Allosaurus evolution. That is spicy. All right. So we'll see how that goes. We will see. So now let's go ahead and move on to a few more cards. Uh, this one, it, this hits our um, emerge section of our uh, of our court cards. We only have two emerge cards on here, uh, but they are big ones. First, we have the Decimator of the Provinces, which is a Eldrazi Boar at Mythic. It's a ten mana seven seven. Its emerge cost is six, and then green, green, green. Uh, first big. A comparison that this got was to, based solely on mana cost, um, Craterhoof Behemoth. Now, this, the Decimator does have Trample and Haste. <laughs> and then when you cast it, creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and have Trample until end of turn. So, it's not as amazing nuts as the Hoof was. Yeah, it's 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 no Hoof. Like, Hoof was really good. It's Warped Hoof, there it is. Yeah. But... Remember, emerge is one thing where you can literally just pay green, green, green for this card, and 
it's gonna be a bomb and limited. It's it's just... it's, it's gonna be a bomb and limited whether you cast it for ten or you cast it for three mana. It's gonna do some really hilarious things. Like I said, I think you can basically discount four to five mana off these emerge creature costs. And limited, and I think so. That. Yeah, so you're looking at maybe a green, green, green two. Yeah, I could see that. But again, these but even guys... then it's a seven. But even then it's a seven, seven ha- trample haste for five. Like yeah, boost entire team plus two, plus two trample. It's a mini overrun on a stick, and it's it can do some terrible, terrible things to people. It'll and be fun. That it will. So let's go ahead and move on to another emerge card that we're going to talk about, and that is Distended Mindbender. This was previewed by LSV on Friday. And Ian, what does the Mindbender do? It's got some creepy art, but it's an 8 Carla, or eight generic. So just straight 8 generic for a 5-5 five, five Eldrazi Insect with a merge 5 black black. When you cast Distended Mindbender, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose from it a non-land card with converted mana cost 3 or less and a card with converted mana cost 4 or greater. That player discards those cards. So this guy is really good, I think. Hey, you guys wanted Inquisition of Kozilek back? Merry <laughs> Here, Christmas. Here's it's, it on is. A, it's on a 5-5 five, five beater. Yeah. Now, this is the card that really gets people scared for formats like Modern, because in Modern, you can go turn 2, Tassiger, turn 3, this guy leaving a mana up. <laughs> it's going to be stupid. It is. It's going to be very ridiculous. Uh, this is going to be so hilarious. I, I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's good. It sounds good, but a lot of things sound good in Magic. That's what they call it, Magical Christmas Land. I can obviously see people testing this in a Grixis control shell. In Modern? Yeah. Yeah. I could easily see that as well. I think you, I think you have to... Slotson is a two of? Probably. It dies to... Uh, it dies to Terminate. It, it dies, dies to... Dismember. Path. Dies to Dismember. Um... It still gets two cards. And it still hits two cards out of their hand because it's a cast trigger. Yeah, I can see it about like maybe a two of. We'll see. This card's really good. Like, it's it's really good. These I, cast triggers are ridiculous. They are ridiculous. We'll get to a card a little bit later that's going to have something to say about that. Yo. Um, let's move on to another card that is getting a lot of people excited. And I know some people who are thinking about putting this in tokens or maybe putting this in some other sort of green decks for standard. And that is Emrakul's Evangel. Ian, what does the Evangel do? Oh, this guy's definitely probably going to see some standard play, but you'll see why in a second, because it's two and a green for a 3-2 human horror. Oh, yeah. It's a human horror. There's a lot of horrors in this set. Think of the eyes either got a lot better or a lot worse. Um, worse. (laughs) Construct-wise. Anyway, you tap it, sacrifice Emrakul's Evangel, and any number of non-Aldrazi creatures. So right off the bat, I'm going to stop and pause right there. If you are playing Aristocrats, here's another sack outlet for you. Yeah. Anyway, here's the fun part. So you sacrifice all those creatures, right? Put a 3-2 colorless Eldrazi horror creature token onto the battlefield for each creature sacrificed this way. As as if these, these damn aristocrat decks didn't already have the ability to dome you out from like 12, they can now dome you for 24 because you're going to replace all those creatures you just sacrificed. Yeah. Now this is also this gets a little bit hairier um, because you do have to sack this guy and you have to choose all the creatures you sack originally. Dude, um, either pod. way, I know blister pod. I blister know. pod saw playing that deck. I know, I know. But this guy, I don't think he's. This a, makes I, every creature a better blister pod. I don't think. I don't think this guy's a four of. I think this guy's like a two or three of maybe. Oh um, well, yeah, I'm not saying he's gonna be a four of, but I'm saying like he's very this is good. Other, this is a way to basically just go slam Emrakul's Evangel. If you get to untap with this card, R.I.P. Yeah, basically. 
Um, let's also talk about the fact that if you wanted to play this in green-white tokens, you could, and upgrade all your 0-1 plants into 3-2 horrors. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> I didn't even think about green- Oh, God. Darn it, John. <laughs> Why did you do that to me? I'm sorry, Ian. I'm just, I'm just telling the people what they want to hear. But I hate tokens as it is. I know you do. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on to uh, probably- Says the company player. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go out and move on to another card that has gotten a lot of discussion, and not about whether the card's good or not, uh, because this card, whether this is good or not, is going to be totally dependent on what is going to be in standard for the next 18 months, and that is Harmless Offering. It is two and a red for a rare sorcery. Target opponent gains control of target permanent you control. Uh, this was spoiled by Loading Ready Run, and it has adorable art of a kitten with a beast claw and a mouth on its tail. Uh, hashtag cutest art. Like, you can't even, like, this literally one cutest art of the set. Like, you can't even, Saddleback Legac ain't got on this card. It it really doesn't. But anyways, uh, Ian, why are people all in a tizzy about this card? It's so creepy. It's it's like a functional, so I was mentioning functional reprints of cards that are on the ban, or the, uh, restricted list. Reserved list. Reserved list. This essentially is one. Yeah, and I what say card essentially, is that? <laughs> it's Donate, which is one of those cards from Urza's uh, Destiny, which is, uh, yeah, Destiny. Uh, donate was two and a blue, sorcery, target player gains control of target permanent you control. <laughs> Th- that's essentially literally one word different. Now, here's the big difference between offering and donate. Well, there's two big differences. One is color. <laughs> Offering is red, donate is blue, and that in and of itself is enough to dis- is to separate the distinction between the two. The other big change is that harmless offering says target opponent instead of target player, because with donate you could theoretically active trees in one of your opponent's creatures and then donate yourself the creature, and then you can get it permanently. So that's a line that you don't get with harmless offering. Correct. Well, but it's I mean that's a cheeky line. But it's a, it's a very cheeky line. Like this is a. Damn, like, so what I was saying with the whole restricted list, or not, reserve list, God, I'm thinking banned or restricted, reserve list is they can't reprint donate. Ever. Ever. They can potentially warp, change, like, this card literally changed color and they changed one word. Yeah. It's a, this is close to a functional reprint of a, reserveless card as we've ever seen now the big thing that they can't do with a reserve with a reserved list card is just change the name they can't do that for example there's a card thunder spirit which is a really innocuous card it's one white white for a two two flying first strike which by is the on way, the reserved is, list and they which can't is why we, it. this is why everyone's like why can't we get a like this is why you will never see a one white white two two flying first striker ever because it's on the reserve list which is weird yeah but it's weird anyway um no i i like this in that one, it's it's a, one got cute art. Two, it's going to be hilarious with demonic pact and standard. Yep. Demonic pact is the only card you need to know about in standard with this guy. How imp- how impactful it's going to be for the next few months? I have no idea. You but know, already, people are going people are going to get cheeky with it, man. Come on. I have a friend who's playing black white demonic pact right now in standard, and he's top eight of the PPTQ with it. Mardu. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Uh, let's anyway, talk. Let's talk about but no, it's. But no, it's just it's just. I just want to finish. Like the design space, the fact that they were willing to skirt this close to a reserveless card has me kind of happy. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, we're not obviously not going to get a slightly less weird Lion's Eye Diamond ever, no. probably. But no. <laughs> the fact that they're willing to print a card with this kind of effect in standard is hilarious, and I love it. This is yes. something you might have seen in a commander set. Oh, yeah. But we're getting is- it in standard. Oh, yeah. 
Um, for example, Zedru the Greathearted is literally a commander with donate on it. So, hey. Oh, yeah. Everyone's just like, woo, another card for Zedru. Yeah, not that Zedru needs more cards. Anyways, um, now. let's move on covers. to a card that's also getting a lot of people um, kind of talking. Uh, and I'm hesitant. I'm I'm hesitantly optimistic on this guy. This is Grim Flare. Uh, Grim Flare is a human warrior at Mythic who's a 2-2. And, he's, and he costs for, casts for a green and a black. He has Trample, which it's is... a Mythic Bear. It's a Mythic Bear, which already should get, should pique your interest a little bit. He has Trample. Uh, he has whenever Grim Flare deals combat damage to a player, look at the top two cards of your library, put any number of them into your graveyard, and the rest back on top of any order. So here not is a... Like, not going to lie. Really, first off the bat, really strange. It has a Delirium ability, but it's really strange for Green Black. <laughs> this is The funny thing for me was that this is basically a 2-2 two, two for 2, with ty- with a small Tygum scheming tacked onto it, and people are saying it's good. Anyway, read the Delirium. Oh, it also has Delirium text that it gets plus two, plus two when you have Delirium, so it could also be a two mana four four. Yeah, with so, Trample. I don't know how to evaluate this guy. This okay. So I, here's the thing with this guy is, um, first off, I think he's going to see play in Standard at some point during his lifetime. He's going to see play at some point. All right. He's a slightly improved Putrid Leech. He is, yeah, he's a better Putrid Leech. There, that's that's obvious. Uh, Putrid Leech being a green-black for a 2-2 two, two that you can pay 2 life and give it plus 2, plus 2, only do it once per turn. And it's all end of turn, so his Delirium stays. Yeah. And it's got Trample. And it has Trample, so you can keep feeding your graveyard. And um, card selection. And card selection, which is weird in green-black, but this is, this is a very green-black way to do a pseudo-brainstorm-style effect that also helps your Delirium out. Uh, just going because, to because out. graveyard. Because graveyard. Uh, by the way, this guy is a slam dunk unlimited. Play him oh. every time. Oh yeah, you you first pick this bad boy and you go. All right, delirium baby, let's do this. And you go to town. Um, that said, um, I'm thinking about seeing he, he might see play in uh, modern. I would definitely think to see this in Jund. Uh, yeah, you can see him in the rock. You can see him in Jund. You can see him in an Abzan style deck because he's kind of a budget. He's a pseudo budget goif. Back in the day, um, reason why I said Jund off the bat is some of the original modern builds of Jund actually ran Putrid Leech, and yeah. then they moved away from it. There's, there's an amazing article um, about the history of modern Jund, yeah, and it was it was like basically how the deck was like we don't need this card anymore, but this might actually like fit into like you said a rock yeah. deck, which rock refers to a green black X deck. It also modern. fuels your goifs. Which is something, and it and if you and it also fuels your card selection, which is something that Jun doesn't get a lot of. So maybe we'll see. I'm not entirely. You, I'm not sure you, yet. How do you like a tutu that helps you fuel your tassiger? That, that that's also a thing you can do as well. Uh, moving on, let's talk about the mythic that nobody wants to open in their pre-release as their foil, uh, because this card literally does nothing in limited stone nothing and that is deploy the gate watch for white white for a mythic sorcery look at the top seven cards of your library put two planeswalker cards or up to two planeswalker cards from among them onto the battlefield put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order this is this is a commander uh potentially all right i'm i'm gonna say potentially if people want to get cheeky modern uh super friends card oh yeah this card that's about it you could potentially go standard band super friends you could now here's here's the funny thing um uh call the gate watch was a card that nobody wanted to open unlimited uh and this is a mythic 
How do you, how do you think people are going to feel when they open this card in in like in a draft or in a sealed pool? Can you imagine you get this in a booster box? Like, dang it, there goes a there goes a mythic slot. <laughs> well, to be fair, I I wouldn't mind opening it in a uh, in a uh, booster box so that I could just kind of like hide it away for whenever I decide to build five color super friends. But anyways, uh, uh, the numbers have already been run by Frank Karsten. The preliminary numbers are that you need somewhere in the order of twenty six planeswalkers or twenty planeswalkers to ensure that you hit two when you cast this on turn six. Uh, yeah, I think in it's a sixty card deck. Yeah, in a 60-card deck, it was like 75 to 78% chance to hit if you have 20. Yeah. Now, the sweet spot – and now keep in mind, out of a 60-card deck, you're going to be playing at least 25 lands in this kind of deck, maybe 26. <laughs> so you're already so what are the other cards you're running? Five cards, you're, and you have – if you're running 20 Planeswalkers and you have 25 lands, you're literally looking at 15 card slots. Uh, you're forgetting that you're four to play the gate watches, so you're looking at eleven slots. Well, no, no, I meant like I, I wasn't even regarding to play the gate watch. I was just <laughs> saying like besides lands and the planeswalkers, which you basically need to say, okay, this is my land base, this is my planeswalker base. Yeah. Now I put deploy the gate watch in. Eleven cards go. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, doesn't sorry, even count whether seems, you're build, that doesn't count if you're building Bant versus Mardu because there is an argument whether Bant super friends or Mardu super friends would be better. You know what? Just play the commander. I mean, you're, you're going to play this in your Super Friends deck in Commander. I don't think this is going to see modern play. The Super Friends decks don't quite go this route. No, they don't. We'll they don't have. So I don't think they have a the uh, payload needed for it. Anyway, not quite. So let's go ahead and talk about the spiciest black one drop in a while in Crypt Breaker. Ian, what does the Breaker do? Well, it's a it's a one it's a one one for one. It's okay. a rare. Uh, it's a creature zombie, and it has one and a black tap discard a card. So. Madness Enabler, put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. Tap, and it also has another ability, tap three untapped zombies you control, you draw a card, and you lose one life. I mean, can we say uh, from under the floorboards, what up? Yep. Uh, Crypt Breaker uh, is also really sweet because he turns all of your extra cards into walking corpses, which are which is literally a one of the black 2-2 zombie with no rules text. Um, and then you can draw cards when you have a bunch of zombies in play. I was talking with somebody earlier, and they said, you know, this allows a zombie deck to draw cards without running any non-creature spells. So, this guy's deceptively very powerful. I'm not quite sure what to think of him yet. Um, You'll probably see a zombie deck at your FNM. Definitely. Whether or not it's competitive, we'll see. We'll but, see. Cards, yeah. cards great, though. So, our next cool card, and remember we mentioned those... Uh, those cast triggers? Yeah. So we got Summary Dismissal, which is two blue-blue for an instant. Uh, it says, exile all other spells and counter all abilities. Get wrecked, Storm. <laughs> Storm already has enough hate on it already. You don't need to remind me. Get wrecked. <laughs> uh, what this guy does is very, very deceptive because it is a very – it's a clean answer to any Eldrazi that your opponent is going to cast. If your opponent casts an Ulamog – so the Ceaseless Hunger and picks their two permanents to exile. You can cast Summary Dismissal, and you not only count, you not only exile the Ulamog, so they can't come back, but you also counter the triggered ability. Oh, it's so good. This also is a clean answer to Emrakul, to Kozilek. This is a clean answer to Worldbreaker. This is a clean answer to all these Emerge cards with insane cast triggers. All these damn Eldrazi with cast triggers stink. Yes. 
but they're uh, also kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. They're also really sweet. Uh, Summary Dismissal is a card that they I think they just needed to put into standard. They couldn't put it at three mana because it's way too good at three mana. But they but at four mana, it's just fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't know where we'll see it. It'll see, see standard play. play. It won't be a four of. It'll be like a two or three, maybe in a sideboard card. It'll see some. It'll see some play somewhere. Uh, speaking of cards, it'll see standard play. Let's talk about... The, the first red card we've seen with Escalate, and that is Collective Defiance. It is one red red for a rare sorcery with Escalate for a single generic mana. So it has three modes, so if you want to do all of them, you got to pay three red red. So my guess was wrong. Close. Uh, I guess, no, I guess there'd be four abilities yeah. on the rare. Yeah, so I'll get to the, mo- I'll get to the spiciest mode last, but the, the, the last two modes are Collective Defiance deals four damage to a creature, Collective Defiance deals three damage to a player, and then the mode that is the most interesting is that target player discards all the cards in his or her hand, then draws that many cards. So so it's a mini wheel. Yeah, also it's very reminiscent of one of Chandra Planeswalker's ability, or the Chandra Flamewalker. Flamecaller? Flamecaller. Yeah. I mean, it, it, considering the art is literally Chandra just like launching fire at stuff, it's kind of flavorful in the fact that it has that ability. Yeah, she is definitely burninating the countryside there. Um Anyways, with this card, it is very, very interesting. Burninating the warp peasants. <laughs> Burninating the Emrakul, Emrakulified people. Um, this card's really good. Uh, I've seen talk about putting pe- that it's going to be put into cubes. Uh, I think this is going to see standard play. It's just It just has enough modes. It does enough things that it ha- it's, it's got to see standard play, I think. So, um, so, what, so what you're looking at, you could, like, for five mana, so three red-red, you just go... Four damage to that creature, three damage to you. I draw a fresh hand. Yes. Of how many I had. Yes. That seems I, good to me. Fine. And even if it's your last card in hand, you can pay four red, like two red red for four damage and three damage. Because the, the because drawing discarding zero and drawing zero doesn't really do anything there. Right. But, but even then, it's I I'd pay I'd play that. I'd play it too. It's it's a very good card. It's going to be fun to play draft, with. I'll take it. Oh, definitely take it in draft. First pick that card. Uh, let's talk about the funny with. This, this so <laughs> harmless offering was the cutest card. This card is the weirdest card because this card is incredibly hard to figure out whether it's good or not. Um, this is Mark Rosewater's spoiler card, and my God, did he get a good one? Maybe. Well, you'll see. It's permeating mass. It's a single green mana for a rare spirit. He did say that it probably should have been an ooze. We'll get to why it should have been a news a little bit later. It's a 1-3 for 1, which is already really strong. Dude, Spirit Ooze would have been a hilarious creature type. A Spirit Ooze would be amazing. I think it should just have been like an ooze. Uh, but whenever Permeating Mass deals combat damage to a creature, that creature becomes a copy of Permeating Mass. Yeah, people are already <laughs> talking about, like, they're just going to literally print out, like, 10 Permeating Mass, like, overlay cards. Basically just, like, blank, like black and white proxies. So that way when they go get this at pre-release, they're literally just going to be, like... Permitting mass block that because of permitting mass. Here, have this little overlay for your. Card. This card is so silly. No, the biggest thing is that it has to do a combat damage. So you have to, it has to be blocked in combat, or you block something in combat. So it can't really hit flyers unless you give it reach somehow. So say with I don't know like an aim high or something like that. But the card is just so weird. It's so. The best weird. part is you stick this on turn one. It's like well, looks like we're dealing with one threes for the rest of the game. <laughs> it's like who likes one? Who likes one threes? People, I do. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to lead to absolutely banana board stalls. It's going to be really you. funny that, that you're going to have to waste your removal spell on a 1-mana one 1-3. One, yeah. Because otherwise you're just going to see nothing but them. 
All right, that does it for the spoilers up until today, and now we're going to talk about a few spoilers that were that were spoiled today. And let's talk let's talk with the, talk about another mythic. This is another red card that is definitely made to see standard play. This is Nahiri's Wrath, two and a red for a mythic sorcery. As an additional cost to cast Nahiri's Wrath, you have to discard X cards, and then Nahiri's Wrath deals damage equal to the total converted mana cost of the discarded cards to each of up to X target creatures or planeswalkers. Yeah. If you haven't listened to the Mana Sources video about today's spoilers, the reason why it doesn't hit players is because in modern you could pay two and a red, pitch an Embercool, pitch a five drop, and 20 an opponent, and 20 someone. No, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely, I was like, oh, you can dome them. Oh, wait, there's just his creatures and planeswalkers. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> this is fair. Uh, this Ab- card is really good. This is, I would, like, I wouldn't say f- it's fair and balanced, but, <laughs> um, the art's amazing. Art is the foil's, great. The foil's going to be great with all the Stoneforge swords on it with Nahiri. But yeah, Nahiri is I like super it. angry. I like it in that you're just literally like, you could ditch stuff and just be like, and screw your board. Yeah. Uh, remember that the number of cards you discard determines the number of targets. Yeah, so you could, just, no, you could discard uh, three. If you discard a land and you discard like a two drop and a five, like a four drop, yeah. you're going to deal six damage to three creatures. Yeah. And or two creatures and a planeswalker. Card hey, look, is, it's a card. It's a card that red can play that can take care of the things in uh, the green red green white tokens deck. Yeah, it can kind of. Um, anyways, uh, Nehiri's Wrath is great. Uh, this was published or this was spoiled in to this week's story article, which is also really good. Uh, oh. We'll need to do another story story uh, podcast at some point talking about all the all the craziness that goes down. Dude, campaign of vengeance, so good. That card is okay. Um, okay. Anyways, the story, not the The story card. behind it, yeah. The, the card, not so much. There is a card called Campaign of Vengeance. The story is great. Uh, next card that we want to talk about is a card that, they, that was given to Star City today to spoil, and that was Dark Salvation, which is a XX Black Sorcery at Rare. Now, it reads really weird, so pay attention. Target player puts X22 zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield, comma. So That happens. That happens. So you give these zombies to target player. So, so when the, when when the spell resolves, yeah, target player gets those zombies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and, if you pay and. if you pay three mana total, so that'd be one one black. You one person gets a two two. You get one two two zombie, and right. you can give it to anybody. So in commander, you could give it to an opponent. You could, in two at a giant, you could give it to your friend who's playing the zombie deck or whatever. Then up to one target creature gets minus one minus one until end of turn for each zombie that player controls. Now, that player reserves to the player you gave the zombies to. <laughs> so this is both something that can give you an instant board state and can kill a creature. Yeah, so you can basically just, you can dump, like, six zombies on your board if you have enough mana, and then kill one of your zombies, and give you five zombies. Now, granted, if you wanted to get six zombies, you'd have to pay, uh, that'd be 13 mana. <laughs> That's a game where you flooded out like crazy, yeah. a.k.a. me playing on Magic Online. <laughs> Seriously, look, it's look, terrible. I know, it's terrible. Uh, Dark Salvation is really sweet. It's a first pickable card. Play it always in limited. I don't know about standard. We'll see. Just but make sure you read, you scan it properly. Speaking about standard playable cards, um, let's talk about uh, everybody's favorite spoil, I think, so far today. Well, maybe not everyone's favorite, but one of the favorites, and that is Noose Constrictor. What does the Noose Constrictor do, Ian? Noose Constrictor is a better bear. So you're getting, for one in a green, a 2-2 two, two. snake. At uncommon. At uncommon. Because you're like, why is a bear uncommon? Because it has reach. And it's a pseudo reprint. I say pseudo because it's kind of a slightly different 
um, of Olcar Wild Mongrel because you discard a card. News Constrictor gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. And yes, kids, there is no do this only once this turn. Yeah, there's there. no mul- there's no once per turn. There's no mana cost attached to it. If you wanted to, you could just throw your hand away and turn it into however big you wanted it to be. News so a delirium enabler would up. It's an amazing delirium enabler. It's an amazing madness enabler as well. Uh, I think in limited, its main use is going to be to en- help enable your black delirium or red delirium spell or black madness, madness and red madness, and then your your delirium creatures because. This is probably one of the best enablers in the entire set, and that's Jund why it's uncommon. You, you, can't, you can't just jund them right in the face if you so choose. Jund them out. Plus, it's an onboard combat trick. Yeah. And those, always get, those always get people. Yeah. Everybody loses to the onboard tricks. Uh, next, we'll talk about a card that Ian before, wanted to talk before, about. Before the Planeswalkers. Before awesome. the Planeswalkers. Uh, we'll have to go quickly through the Planeswalkers. We're running out of time. But That's all right. Hey, there's a lot of cards, and they're awesome. And they're cool. They're all awesome. Sets. So, it's Ian, great. talk to me about this guy. Uh, all right. So our last guy is Spell Queller. First of all, I think this card gets the uh, the award for, hey, let's screw with the uh, commentators. Say Spell Queller five times fast. Spell I dare Queller, you. Spell Queller, Spell Queller, Spell Queller, Spell Queller, Spell Queller, Spell Queller. Yeah, that's, right, that's, that now. just sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can tell you already if this goes on coverage, somebody's going to trip over it once, at least. Um, it, anyway, that, that reminds me of uh, the skippers. Like everyone's like, just if you ever say a word a bunch of times, it just sounds weird. Bold. Yeah, you say you say this Bold. enough times, it goes. Ooh. Anyway, Bold. so this card is a one white blue again, like you know. For a two three. Oh, where have we seen that converted mana cost and power toughness <laughs> before? I don't know. Reflector Mage, maybe. Big difference but is that this is a rare spirit. This is rare. It's a rare spirit, and it's better. Okay. How's Slightly. it better? Okay. <laughs> in in certain ways, uh, it has flash. Okay, that's better. So yay for instant speed. Flying. Okay, that's yay. also really good. Yay for evasion. When spell queller enters the battlefield, exile target spell with converted mana cost four or less. That's oh, right. No. You flash this bad boy in when your opponent casts Collected Company, and guess what? You hit the Exile Collected Company. <laughs> now there is a downside, Ian. The downside is when Spell Queller leaves the battlefield, the Exile card's owner may cast that card without paying its mana cost. I need to see the rules on this, but if you spell, if you get Spell Queller and you bounce your Spell Queller while it's not an opponent's main phase, if it's a creature under there, can they play it at that time? Because it's not a chance where they're at. They're going to be so, able okay. To- so I can I can kind of answer this question uh, because spell spell queller gives the player the ability to then cast that spell. Okay, so, so they make your, your opponent never. could instant speed blow you out and cast it because spell queller allows them to. Okay. Even Either without, way, yeah, spell queller ignores all timing restrictions. Either way, so besides the timing restrictions, sorry, one, it's a collected company hit. Two, Two counters collect the company. In, it counters collect the company, so not bad at all for the mirror. Three, the card is in the colors that play company in standard right now. Band. <laughs> the card is I, so silly. Even, even though even though we can't get it now, I was like, I said due to number crunching, I was like, so what if we had like Geist of Saint Trapped in the set? How absolutely stupid would Bant Company be? It would be really silly. Although I, I I got the art book today and I read the art book, and I'll tell you afterwards what happens to Geist, but. Uh, needless oh, to say, oh. he's not showing up in the set. I don't think. Poor Geist. All right. Anyways. Again. <laughs> Anyways. But no, this is. But the great part is though is that if your opponent is casting a spell, such as oh I don't know like an abrupt decay. Yeah. In a in a modern format, it says exile. It doesn't say countered. It gets yeah. on the cannot be countered clause, which is great. 
Yeah. Now, the funny thing with this card is that this, I can't believe they figured out how to make a Fiend Hunter for spells. It's so good. And it's at instant speed. Well, they had to do it at instant speed because it had to be an effective counter spell. I don't care, but it's great. It is great. Now, now you'll notice that a lot of the uh, Fiend Hunter style effects recently have the jointed Which, ability where it's all part of one ability. Where, like Banisher Priest, when it enters the battlefield, you exile a creature until Banisher Priest leaves. But because Spell Queller is getting rid of spells, there's a loophole that you can do here. Now, this doesn't work with blink effects, but it does work with sacrificing or bounce effects. So let's say that Ian casts Collected Company, like he's off to do. And then I cast nope. Spell Queller, and it enters the battlefield, and I target his Collected Company. Then, let's say I bounce it to my hand using some other card's effect. Um, then Spell Queller's Leave the Battlefield ability would go on the stack, let Ian cast the spell that I exiled, which there wasn't anything yet, and then his Collected Company gets exiled forever. It's it's like the pseudo-Oblivion Ring trick. Yeah. Which was basically, if you have three, you can just infinitely loop. Well, that's a little bit of a different scenario entirely. Well, but, but, but I'm saying it's like one of those things where you can like use it to get just get rid of a spell entirely. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. You you have seven mana, and you spell queller, and you get your own collected company, and you hit reflector mage, and you bounce spell queller. That's one way to do it. That That is the way to do it. Um, but spell queller is really funny. I think it's really good. It'll definitely see play. Uh, so this episode is going to be a little long so that we can talk about the Planeswalkers because the Planeswalkers are sweet and we want to talk about them now. We don't want to talk about them later. Um, so first off, there are three rules about Planeswalkers that we need to talk about. Uh, these are the kind of the rules about Planeswalkers as far as how good they are in 60-card magic. Not, not really rules, more evaluation guidelines. Evaluation guidelines. Uh, rule number one, does it impact the board? Does it do something to change the board state in a meaningful way. That's one of the big things that um, it does. Well, and that's that should also be said when it when you cast it, like once it hits the battlefield, does it impact the board? Yeah, what like, can it do? Yeah. Can it impact the board eventually? Next, uh, does it protect itself? Because Planeswalkers are repeatable resources. Those are inherently powerful. And being able to do it a lot tends to be very good. So can the Planeswalker protect themselves by either making tokens like getting Ally of Zendikar or by killing creatures like Obnixilus Reignited, what does or it do things, to make we're making sure... Things, we're making things smaller like uh, Architect of Thought. Architect of Thought, yep. Yeah, Jason um, thought and then the third one is the one that matters the least, and this can it win the game if unchecked? Basically, um, if, if you ultimate, will you win? Yeah, if you ultimate, do you win the game? Does it make, or does it help you to win a game? Or is it, or does the or does the Planeswalker just by itself with its first two native abilities just accrue so much advantage that you need you don't need to worry about it? Like we saw in Standard one time where Nahiri was at literally 20-some-plus loyalty. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so first off, let's talk about the face Planeswalker of the set, and that is Liliana the Last Hope. She is one black-black for a, for a Planeswalker Liliana, as you'd expect. She has three starting loyalty. And before we get to her abilities, three mana Planeswalkers always, 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 always see play. Always. For instance, people were like Nissa Voices Endicar. Eh, she's okay. It's like, dude, she's a three mana planeswalker. She's gonna see play. She's all playing modern. She's literally like in the <laughs> someone most literally powerful. took she's... the green white tokens deck in standard, put a bunch of modern cards in it, and they made day two of a GP. God, I hate that person, <laughs> but also mad props, bro. I think that Good was Matt Nass. Oh well. Oh yeah, I heard. Okay, well, it's Matt. Matt didn't Matt Nass basically make that deck anyway? Yes. Anyways, uh, three mana planeswalkers always see play. No exceptions. How much play they see is totally inherent on the metagame. But Liliana is going to see play. 
She has three loyalty abilities. She has a plus one until your next turn up to one target creature gets minus two, minus one. Protects itself, check. Kind of. It, it, it picks off X1s really, really well. Now, uh, it, actually, it, I'll talk about it, this a little bit later. But if your opponent, if your opponent has, say, oh, I don't know, Lampholt passes on the battlefield, it makes it makes, small. Yeah, makes it small so that it can't kill Liliana, yeah. which is decent enough. She has a minus two ability, which is put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Then you may return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So she raised dead a creature to your hand if it's in your graveyard. This okay. fuels delirium. This also rebuys some of your early game threats if they manage to die. You're not. You're you're most likely not going to go play her minus two. Mm, on turn three, probably not. Well, I'm saying like even even up to like maybe turn five. In any case, in standard, in standard. It depends on it depends on what your deck's trying to do. But her minus seven is a card that I is that is an ultimate that I misread the first time. It's you get an emblem at the beginning of your end step. Put X two two black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield, where X is two plus the number of zombies you control. So if you control no zombies, you get two 2-2 two, two zombies. Then, if none of those zombies die, you get four additional zombies, so you go up to six. Then, you get eight additional, go up to 14. Then you get 16 additional, go up to 30. You see where this is going. So that's what, an exponential curve? or It's pseudo-exponential. Right. I, was, I was asking you because you're the math man. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's doubling-ish. It's doubling plus. Um... Because it, I thought it was you just put X in, tokens into play where X is the number of zombies you control. The two plus makes it much better. So that's number three checked off. Can it win the game if left unchecked? If you get her to seven, you basically blow her up and let the horde of zombies roll. Yeah. Now, uh, can she protect herself? Kind of. Her plus one does protect herself. Does she impact the board immediately? Not potentially. 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 It really depends on what's going on. Uh, now, here's my first que- Here's my big question to you, Ian. Okay. Will this Liliana see play in modern? Uh, maybe. A very I... tentative uh, maybe. Now, I, I, I ran the numbers. I looked it up. Out of the top 50 played creatures in modern, what number of them or what percentage die to Liliana's plus ability? Of the 50 most played creatures? Yeah. If you're asking me this question, I would probably say less than half. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Let's evaluate this real quick. Usually your X1s are going to be one or two mana. Okay. Um, I'm looking at like mana dorks, okay. infect creatures, yep. uh, uh, tokens. Okay. Uh, um, Let's ignore tokens because I'm not talking about token makers. There's a lot of X2 plus and, and higher. Yeah. I'm going to say under 25. So it under is, under half. It is under half. Okay. Uh, I'm going to list the creatures now for your own edification that die immediately to Liliana's plus one. Okay, this is not going to be a lot then. Noble Hierarch. Yep. A Persisted Kitchen Finks. Okay. Snapcaster Mage. Yep. Glistener Elf. Yep. Blighted Agent. Yep. That's half of the top ten. Moving on. Dark Confidant, Birds of Paradise, Insolent Neonate, Arcbound Ravager, Vault Scourge, Signal Pest, Bloodgast, Narcomoeba, Step Links, Steel Overseer, Eternal Witness, Curse Catcher, Delver of Secrets, and Memnite. So 19. That is 19. Now, of note, there are some asterisks. For example, it has to be a Persisted Kitchen Finks. Yes. Neonate, Ravager, and Bloodgast all can recur. And most and some of those creatures like Eternal Witnesses, Snapcaster Mage have value on enter the battlefield. I do like that Neonate made, makes the list because yeah. that was only from last set and that uh, just shows how popular it's gotten in Dredge. Slight aside, what number do you think it is? Neonate? Yeah. It's out of the top ten. You didn't mention those in any particular order once we got past the top ten, Those right? were in order. 
That was one. That was number one down okay, to number okay. forty-six. Um, forty. Nope, higher. Damn, is it like in the twenties? It is in the twenties. Wow, Dredge got popular. <laughs> Neonate is number twenty-one. Damn, homie. Yes. High five, Michael Jackson. <laughs> High five. So Liliana could see playing modern. I'm not sure. She's definitely gonna see playing standard. Anyways. Um. But also, what you need to look at too is it's minus two, minus one. So even if it doesn't kill it, you can just muck up combat math, and yeah, it's until your next turn. So it makes your goyfs beat their goyfs. Yes. Also, it means that anything that could potentially kill it, like say say your opponent lucks out onto a uh, Tassiger on turn two, you stick yeah. this on turn three, your ta- their opponent's Tassiger is now only going to knock this down to loyalty. So, it's not terrible. Now, to be fair, this is not this is not better than Liliana of the Veil, vale, and no, I don't know. If, and I don't know if it's worse because I don't think gonna... this Liliana does the same things as that Liliana. And another point I want to make: Liliana of the Veil vale will never see standard reprint ever again. She's way too powerful because of her uh, her symmetrical discard and her edict effect. Her symmetrical, her freaking ultimate, dude. That too. Her but ultimate is just stupid overpowered. A little bit, anyways. Let's go ahead and talk about the other Planeswalker, which is Tamiyo Field Researcher, which is is one green, white, blue for four loyalty Planeswalker. So she is all – she's the full Bant. Now, some people were were concerned about that because, uh, as we know, Bant Company is one of the more popular decks in in Standard currently. And uh, Mark Rosewater said that they wanted to put Tamiyo in the set, but for developmental reasons, they had to make her cost three mana or three different colors of mana so that she goes in developmentally fewer decks. Now, but, did you know <laughs> but little that, did they know that Clutchy Company would be such a powerhouse in the format, and Bant Company is literally one of the best decks, and then gets a very powerful Planeswalker, as so, we'll, so, as we'll so, soon so, see. So, so you can say the future Future League had a company with. Ooh. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I did it. <laughs> Tamios plus one is choose up to two target creatures until your next turn. Whenever either of those creatures deals combat damage, you draw a card. This is a weird ability. Because you can target your opponent's creatures, and you can target your creatures. Or you can target one of yours and one of your opponents. In standard, that could be something like my Sylvan Advocate and your Sylvan Advocate. And I attack. What do you do? <laughs> it's Sophie's choice. It is, it is a little, it's almost a Sophie's choice. Not quite. It's like, it's like, <laughs> in, in limited, what you can do is you can target, if you have an empty board, you play Tammy plus one, target your two opponent's creatures, and they can kill Tamio if they want, but then you're drawing two cards. It's so good. I like it. You know, it's, it's a weird impact the board yeah it's very subtle how powerful this is um also it's not a may trigger so you basically tell your opponent okay i like you you now i like it's not like it's it's almost kind of like the arlen cord uh a little bit it's dilemma. a little arlen cordy because with, with arlen, arlen's obviously more complicated this when you know, when when you want her on what side but this is one of those is like okay you as the person playing tamio also need to evaluate the board state and where you want the board state to end up if you know your opponent's going to have something that will eat a creature, you don't want to cast this necessarily on one of their creatures, one of your creatures. Yeah. You potentially just be like, I cast on both of mine if they have a bigger creature, and then you can double block and, and draw two cards. Draw two cards and kill thing. Yeah. You basically you warp the combat math. Yeah. Now her minus two is the card is the one that protects herself, and it's very reminiscent of previous Tamios plus one ability, where you tap up to two target non-land permanents. They don't untap during their controller's next untap step, and that's a minus two. So, so like you get ice, to Frost Breath, two things. Yeah, after Frost Breath, yeah. Uh, in standard, this taps Gideon's. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is probably the most popular use it's going to see. Because let's, um, let's see you not do plus one, buddy. Yeah, don't attack with attack me with Gideon blocks. Uh, and then Tammy has a very interesting ultimate, which is minus seven. And you draw three cards. Period. Then you get an emblem with you may cast non-land cards from your hand without paying their mana costs. Hey kids, how do you like omniscience and standard? Omniscience is silly. Now this is not omniscience because this is a planeswalker emblem. Um, omniscience being the enchantment that literally is that effect. Um, Tammy is. I, I, I should have said omniscience effect. Yeah, Tammy is. Um, she's very good, I think. All right, now this is disregarding everything that's been spoiled, blah, 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 yeah, 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 if you were just taking this card in a vacuum to Oven Bank Company. Probably. Potentially. It would it would require testing. It would require testing. Um, this was spoiled by Emma Handy over on Gathering Magic. And by Dude, the way... first of all, can I say, way to go, Emma. Yeah. Awesome spoiler. Go, Emma. You got an awesome spoiler, and congrats on working with SCG, and let's hope you don't get put behind a paywall. Emma for coverage 2016. <laughs> Anyways, um... Tammy is Tamio is very very good I think. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen to her, but we'll see. We'll maybe see. maybe we could see a Bant Walker token deck. Like you know, you take the current you know your green your green white tokens deck. You can expand your mana base out. It might not be as tight and compact as the green white token list is, but if you get Tamio in there, you're going to be poop, pooping creatures on the board. You're going to be getting drawing a lot more cards with her. Yeah. Um, and then the only spell, if you get her ultimate off, the only spell you need to pay mana for is secure the wastes. Yeah, and at that point, you're literally just like you're just dumping your creatures onto the battlefield, yeah. and the, in that deck, that's what you want to do. And if you remove your mana restriction in that deck, holy crap. It's, How do you like, you can just be you can just like hold two or three cards in your hand and then go Gideon emblem Gideon emblem or you go Gideon make a token Gideon emblem give you an emblem yeah it's ridiculous anyways um, funny thing with Tamio is that she is one of the she's one of the planeswalkers who who ultimates immediately thanks to doubling season oh yeah I forgot about that and uh, t- this Tamio's emblem works well with old Tamio's emblem which is you have no maximum hand size and then whenever car- a card will go to your graveyard you may put it into your hand. <laughs> so if you get a field researcher and a moon stage emblem in play at the same time you basically win the game i want to make some bant super friends now because damn that sounds fun it, it's gonna be really hilarious i don't know how good it's gonna be but it's gonna be fun hey just take it to you know your fnm modern exactly just play modern fnm with uh bant super friends with that and um well <laughs> that deck also tends to run time warps anyways so just run it just time warp them to death <laughs> Just take all the t- take all the turns, all the turns. Put future sight in the deck too. Yes. Oh no. <laughs> no, no, no! Is that even modern legal? It probably is. There's a it lot is. of cards that are modern legal that I don't know. <laughs> future sight's an enchantment that basically says you put the top, you like you reveal the top card of your library, you can play that card. Yeah, as if it was <laughs> as if it were in your hand. Anyways, you could. that'd be hilarious. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we didn't need to say it, but these are cards are obviously great and limited. I would first pick Liliana in a heartbeat, Tamio. I would probably only first pick because she's kind of a lot of money right now as far as pre-orders are concerned. I don't know if she's an actual literal first pick, but she feels like it. Oh, wait. No, I don't think Future Sight's modern and legal. It, was... it might not be. Anyways. Legacy. Go for it. There you go. Go Legacy. Anyways, uh, needless to say, play these card, play these cre- Planeswalkers in Limited. Planeswalkers are absurd and Limited. Just do it always. Uh, and if you can have two of the same one, like I did for Shadows of Innistrad, please go ahead. Sir, you're disgusting. I agree. And it'll never happen to me ever again. Dude, I'm still looking forward to the pre-pre-release. This oh, the pre-pre-release is going to be amazing. 
Like, this is just getting me so hyped for the pre-pre-release on Saturday. Uh, Ian, I know you're going to be modding the chat. I'm probably going to be chilling out around there as well because this is going to – this looks super, super fun. I'm missing a Grand Prix trial for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all make sacrifices, Ian. We all well, make no, sacrifices. I was on the last one. I'm like, yeah, ninth. That'd be great. Sweet. And then, like, I get home and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> the pre-pre-release. No. Anyways, uh, that's going to do it here for us. Uh, remember – that uh, we want re- we want your reviews. We haven't gotten any reviews in a while, so we want to give you guys shout-outs at the top of the show, so please remember to give us a review. Ian, where feedback. Can people- and feedback, please. Ian, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. And you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. I've been streaming a lot more lately, and it's been fun, and I've been getting a lot more viewers, and it's been great, and we're playing some modern. I did a lot of EMA drafts. Um, elves? It turns out I'm actually good when I draft elves in EMA. <laughs> See, we, we, solved, we solved the format. Just draft elves all the time. I solve me for the format. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I solved the format as it goes away on Magic Online, RIP. Yep. Anyway, um, yeah, I'll be streaming a lot more modern. Um, I'm actually, I got my credit, my new credit card in, so I'm going to be building my PC, and that'll be coming in like a couple weeks, so it's going to be fun. Excellent, excellent, So I'll be doing more streaming, better games, as well as Magic. So, yes. John, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. You can also follow me, find me on Twitch by that same username. Also, as always, if you need to reach the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, send us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. Again, please leave us reviews. We are always looking for feedback and ways we can improve. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you all next time.